All righty, and welcome to the first episode of the Norwood Noise College Basketball Podcast coming out of Xavier University. Uh, my name is Evan Schivel. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I got my partner alongside. Why don't you yeah. introduce yourself? Hello, guys. Name's Graham Griffith. Ready to talk some college basketball right from the heart of college basketball here in Norwood, Ohio. Absolutely. Um, all right, so we're going to get started. Basically, this is going to be like our preseason pod. So we'll kind of just get started from the top, um, starting at the uh, with the AP Top 25. We'll go through, we'll talk about, we're gonna, we agree that we'll talk about the top five teams, and then we'll each talk about um, a couple teams that we think are, you know, going to be real difference makers um, this year and kind of be teams to watch, teams to keep an eye on. We'll touch on a couple outside the Top 25 that might be dark horses, things like that, um, and then we'll move forward from there. We're looking to make this about a weekly podcast-ish uh, trying to keep you guys updated week to week on what's going on in college hoops. So you want to get us started with the Zags up top? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think it's any debate. I mean, there's been talks of, you know, UCLA, Kansas, Villanova, but Gonzaga is damn near consensus number one team this year off the back of pretty, pretty damn good run last year, just coming up short. Um, I mean, you put an all-American guy, Drew Timmy, and you put him alongside this phenom, 7-1, Chet Holmgren. You got a good coach in Mark Few that still is looking for that, you know, the, the crown jewel, the national championship. So you just got to see where they're headed. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I think a um, couple of things worth noting here. Obviously, Drew Timmy, you know, pretty much – you know, preseason, not pretty much, I mean, he is the preseason national player of the year. Um, nearly consensus as well on that one. Also, potential number one pick, Chet Holgram, obviously. Um, they do lose uh, a couple key guys in Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert, but I think they, relo- uh, they reload just as well. Um, I do think Andrew Nimhard, a point guard, is going to be definitely someone to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, you know, like we said, fin- you know, ended up coming a just a hair short of that national title last year. Um, but I do think something worth noting there is, you know, that was an unbelievably good Baylor team. And I think that Baylor team was underrated all year. I do think they played in a much tougher conference, um, obviously being the Big 12 as opposed to the WCC. I think that, you know, a, I don't know. I just, I feel like a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, Gonzaga, you know, there's no way they're gonna be that good again. Um, and really maybe they weren't even that good all along just because they got smoked by Baylor in the final. But I just think that was a hot Baylor team that was mm-hmm. really, really a different group of athletes um, that I don't think you see, you know, in this in this year's class. Yeah, I mean, their starting five is as good as it's going to get against any team. I mean, we already talked about Timmy and Holmgren. Right. Holmgren. And then you bring in um, the Iowa State kid, Bolton, who had a very good run in that tough Big 12 conference. He's used to the team that came up and defeated Gonzaga in the final. And then you also have, who's not talked about enough, Hunter Salas. He was probably competing for that starting spot. We'll see once games start. I mean, that's a top 25, top 50 guy who, when you're on a team with Chet, they're going to talk about Chet. But, I mean, you can't not talk about another top 25. That's a huge get for Gonzaga. Absolutely. A couple things worth noting, uh, Gonzaga, especially early in the season. Um, Mark Few is suspended uh, for the first two exhibition games and the first regular season game against uh, Grain Valley, I believe. Um, 
so interesting to see there. Obviously, DUI uh, a couple months ago now. Um, the university did decide to uh, suspend him. Of course, only for three games, though, as they, of course, were not going to suspend him for their second regular season game as Texas is traveling to Gonzaga. Um, that will be oh, arguably, not arguably, that will be the biggest game in Gonzaga's campus history. Uh, that's going to be the biggest brand, the best team they've ever hosted uh, in Spokane. So definitely something to keep an eye on there, obviously. You know, they're not going to, they don't want their, their Hall of Fame coach to miss out on that opportunity. Now, granted, whether the ruling was fair or not, um, you know, we could argue about that all along. I think, you know, you see the situation with Jalen Wilson at KU being suspended four games. That's usually the standard is four or five games uh, for those DUI suspensions. Um, personally, I believe that, you know, coaches should be held to that same standard, if not a higher standard. Um, mm-hmm. and as the role model. Right, exactly, as the role model. Um, but obviously, you know, you're you're not, as the university, you're not going to suspend your Hall of Fame coach, and you're not going to not have him on the sideline um, for that big of a game. So mm-hmm. I understand the decision. Obviously, you know why they did it, uh, but ju- just definitely something to consider. But point you know point in case two you've got texas coming on the road that first weekend of college basketball and one that's gonna be a great game i can't wait to sit down and watch it it's gonna be a classic obviously chris beard in his first year at texas mm-hmm. he's got a lot of athletes chris yeah. beard is a phenomenal coach i mean he is one of those guys that you hear all the time you know there's great college coaches um and there's just great basketball coaches and those great basketball coaches are the ones that You'll have NBA coaches and NBA executives asking to go to their practices and be a part of, and that is what Chris Beard has. People say that you know he is consistently being asked to have people you know at his mm-hmm. practices to see how he's running it, and uh, that's obviously a big step in the right direction for that Texas program. So yeah. All right. Well, moving on for the second team, AP Top Twenty Five is UCLA, and you know. I think I have some differing opinions about UCLA. I mean, they bring back Johnny Jazang, who's going to be unbelievable this year. I think he was underappreciated until the tournament run. So now that the spotlight's on him, it'll be interesting to see how he um, adapts to that. You know, they were kind of flying under the radar, even as a Pac-12 team in a big market, historic franchise. I mean, you're never not in the spotlight at UCLA, but now there's a lot more focus on them. Um, I mean, they bring back a lot of very talented players with a lot of experience like Tyre Campbell, Cody Riley. But at the same time, I mean, I feel like it happens every single year. There's a solid team or a pretty good team that makes a good tournament run. And then you come into the next season and it's talks about that tournament team. I mean, at the same time, you know, you have to respect them because that is the team that did do it. But I mean tournament shouldn't define define who the team is i agree i mean i think i think they're an 11 seed they're an 11 seed for a reason you know? yeah right exactly. I, I really do think that um obviously they bring back a lot of talent johnny juzang uh jaime Hawkes, you know you've got you've got tiger campbell as well um it, everybody's coming back they didn't they didn't lose anybody you mm-hmm. know johnny juzang was the only one that they thought might go to the draft he ended up staying um so obviously mick cronin phenomenal coach great program there <clears throat> at ucla and you bring back everyone, there's no reason to not think they would be good again. Um, but I agree with you. I think tournament time is different. You get hot during tournament time, um, you know, for for different reasons. And honestly, truthfully, I mean, I remember that first four, that play-in game, um, 
when you had UCLA and Michigan State, I actually picked Michigan State uh, to win like three games in the tournament. Like yeah, I, th- I exactly. thought they were going to be that 11 seed that came out of the out of the plane and got hot because I'm such a firm believer in coaching, and I think Tom Izzo is one of the you know one of the best to do in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the setups. It was kind of like seeing. It's like seeing Syracuse at that 11 seed. You know, yeah. Like, I mean, oh, all right, well, Jim Beheim's going to put something together. Exactly. And another thing to add is that UCLA run was special because when, for example, like Loyola Chicago, when they went on their now two great runs, it was like, all right, who are they going to beat next? Like, who's it? But the UCLA team, it was like, oh, yeah, they got some good players. They play well, really athletic defense. I'll probably chalk it up for this team or this team or this team. And then they're in the final four, and you're like, oh, my God. I mean, exactly. But well, especially, I mean, they had a lot of good teams in that bracket. I mean, they had they beat a very good Alabama team. Mm-hmm. And then BYU. And then BYU. They also beat a very good Michigan team. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Howard, obviously, we go, year last year. But. You go Michigan State, and we already talked about them with Tom Izzo, a solid BYU team. Abilene Christian, who they beat Texas, Texas. a very talented Texas team. Then Alabama. Great guard play, and they had a great defensive scheme about them. And then you go Michigan with Juwan Howard. That was his first year, but still a very solid, great team. Big guy in the middle in Dickinson. And then you just come up short to Gonzaga. I mean, right. and I mean, and that really, shot. Did you lose? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, Were you, did you really come up that short? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if anyone says they're going to lose to a Jalen Suggs 50-footer, I don't know. Especially when you're in 11 seed that was counted out exactly. in the first four. Right. And, that, and that's the thing, too, is that was one of the biggest, the most favored. Michigan State was one of the most, I think, was the most favored playing game. Like, Michigan State was favored to win that game by mm-hmm. everyone. Everyone thought they were going to just roll through that game and continue to maybe roll through that part of the bracket. Because exactly. I know Abilene Christian was a popular upset pick um, because of how well they played, but they played defensively. So a lot of people were saying, all right, well, you know, they get out of there, you know, they'll probably. If you know if that Michigan State team can beat BYU, mm-hmm. you know they'll have an easy beat Abilene Christian, and then you know then you kind of see where you're at. But yeah, definitely just one of those things that was you know maybe a little bit of a fluke. But again, I you know I agree with you. I think I don't think UCLA is going to be that good. I do think they will be good. I do think they'll probably win the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's no question. But come because tournament, come tournament time, I don't see them above the three line. Yeah, and not to go far deep into conference stuff. But, I mean, the Pac-12 is weak yeah, this year. especially this year. I mean, inside the top 25, I feel like it's only – it has to only be, like, Oregon. Oregon uh, in the AP poll is 13. Yeah, and then after that, I mean, you get into the other receiving votes to find the next Pac-12 team. Yeah, USC. I mean, they should have no problem. And I mean, USC lost a lot. This yeah, year. notably the top Mobley. three pick, Evan yeah, Mobley. Evan Mobley, exactly. As a Kansas fan, I remember that all too well. Well, that, I feel like this is a great time to segue right into the number third team, the Kansas Jayhawks. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I have my opinions about the Kansas Jayhawks, but I think we should hand over to Evan, <laughs> who's very much a Jayhawk yeah. fan. I mean, born and raised in Kansas City, both the parents hailing as alumni. I, I think there's, you know... There's a lot to say with this team. Um, watching the the exhibition game last week, um, they look good. I mean, obviously, anyone's going to look good against Division Two Emporia State. Um, but I, I really do think that uh, transfer um, 
Remy Martin from Arizona State. He was Pac-12 Player of the Year, also preseason Big 12 Player of the Year, um, which was a little bit shocking to me because I honestly I don't even think he's going to be the best player on Kansas. Um, I I really do think Ochai Baji is going to put it together um, as being you know the best all-around player for that mm-hmm. team. I do think I do think Remy Martin is going to be and my, and my big point with Remy is I think he's going to be that scorer that Kansas needed last year. I think Kansas had all the pieces of a great team last year, but they didn't really have a leader. Miles mm-hmm. um, Garrett, or excuse me, Marcus Garrett, phenomenal senior, um, great guard, one of the, I mean, the best defensive player in the country. Um, he is just not, he was not a playmaker. He was not a guy that you could rely on late in the shot clock to go to, go get a bucket, and I think that's what Remy Martin is this year for Kansas. Um, sure. I think Ochai Baji has really started to develop and being able to use um, his athleticism and his talent. Um, so I'll be excited to see what he can do. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, Jalen Wilson, like we mentioned earlier, suspended for the first four games. But I think once he gets back and rolling, he, he was very up and down last year, very inconsistent. But I think, I think if he can lock down, he could be a serious issue. I mean, a big guy, 6'10", with guard talent. So yeah, I, think that's, I mean, and then we talked about coaching earlier and how important it is in college basketball and be a great basketball coach. I'm looking at their lineup, a potential lineup, and you have Remy Martin, who's now a fifth-year senior coming from Arizona State, and he is a walking bucket. He's going to get you the points that you need every single night. You bring in Yusefu, who is from Drake, who played a great year at Drake. That is a tournament team, who is a junior. And then you have two seniors starting, and then you have Jalen Wilson, who is just he speaks for himself in terms of talent. And then you have all, all throughout the bench, you have an Iowa State transfer who's a redshirt senior. You have uh, Cam Martin, who was, I don't remember what school he's from, but he's a D2 transfer yeah, North, who averaged. North, Northwest Missouri State. Yeah, who averaged 25. Yeah. No matter what level you're at, if you're averaging 25 and 10 rebounds, I mean, you're good. Right. So you bring in multiple transfers, four, four to be exact, that will play meaningful minutes. Right. And then all your other guys are I mean, like redshirt sophomores or seniors or fifth-year seniors. So if you give Bill Self disciplined guys who are hungry, who have only one conference title in three years, I mean, that is not Kansas basketball. No, it's not. I mean, it's, it's wild to see that this little run here for Kansas has, you know, in his 18 years he's won or – tied for the title 15 times mm-hmm. you know that's it's wild to see that one in the last three or, or yeah only one of the last three is one so it's yeah it's a, it's an unbelievable you know record there it's i mean and big 12 is going to be competitive this year but i really i really think that if you give bill self all these experienced talented hungry players that are willing to prove themselves because i mean you don't come you don't transfer with your with your fifth year for nothing. You want to come here to win to prove yourself. Exactly. And if you give him all these players that are ready to win, I mean, there's it's just a recipe for a great regular season and then a tournament run thereafter. I, I would agree. I mean, I think, and I think coming back on the Big 12, I think, I think the Big 12 will be good. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's going to be what it has been the last few years because I think Texas, while they have a bunch of athletes, and I think Chris Beard's a phenomenal coach, I think he still needs to get his feet under him a little bit mm-hmm. at a much larger pro- larger program, um, and I think Baylor loses too much from last year. I again, same thing there. Scott Drew, phenomenal coach, obviously very comfortable, and I think he can do a lot with 
maybe when he's even not given a lot. But I don't think um, really after that, um, after that good of a year, I don't think you can follow that up. Usually, you know, losing Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler and still be as impactful as you want to be. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then moving past that, there's no other Big 12 teams in the top 25. So I think that's the big difference uh, between this year and the previous years is you'd have your front three and then you'd still have teams kind of lingering in that top 25. You'd have a Texas Tech or you'd have an Oklahoma State or an Oklahoma. Yeah, depending still, on the year. Yeah. Right, that's still hanging out in that top 25. And those are tough road games. You know, those are tough places to go and get wins, even as a top five team in the country. Mm-hmm. So I think the Big 12 is just not as deep this year as it usually is. Or yeah, definitely top heavy. Yeah, definitely yeah. very top heavy. So, um, Well, yeah. I will say one that's going to be competitive is Big East, and that's a good segue into Villanova, who is the fourth team in um, the AP poll. And, I, you know, I think people are a little high on Villanova because – they, I feel like they just weren't like the, their usual self last year. I agree. And you know that you lose NBA talent, uh, Robinson Earl. Yeah, Jeremiah And I really, I you know, I'm looking at like who they're bringing in, and Jay Wright's not a guy to play like these freshman standouts. So you just look at who's left, and like I don't really see anyone like filling that mold. I mean, Jay Wright can coach you know a JV team and put up a win, but right. at the same time, I mean, you look at this team, I mean. Yeah, you know, Jermaine Jermaine Samuels. I mean, he's a he's a solid guy, but he's never going to explode. Right. Um, Eric Dixon had limited action, and he's expected to start. And he's a small center. I mean, he's a six eight redshirt sophomore. Like I, I feel like they might be pushing that height a little bit. Yeah, I would agree. I think I would say, and obviously this is coming from two Xavier students, so this might be, you know, a little a little, a, a little biased, but I I really do think if if Villanova is going to be vulnerable, I think this is the year that they're going to be vulnerable. Exactly. Because they don't have um, that go-to guy. Because I, I, I don't think Colin Gillespie's that for them. He's a phenomenal leader on the court. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be the guy to go get 28. Yeah, and another thing that most teams fail to have, especially during tournament time, is one, depth and experience. And Villanova's always known for that. I mean, you know... You have guys like, I mean, the Josh Harris, Eric Pascals, the Ryan Archiniaknas that, I mean, you feel like they're there for like seven years at a time. And, you know, you you look at the roster and like, oh, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, juniors off the bench. But then, like, I mean, every team has that this year since the lenient transfer rules and COVID years. So, like, your experience and stuff doesn't mean as much when everyone has it. Like, your claim to fame doesn't mean anything this year. And while they're still good, I just don't. I just can't see them getting into either like a shootout or like an offensive-minded game. Like if you if you match them up with like Gonzaga, like they're not going to outscore Gonzaga no. at all. Well, they have a good early season test. They play UCLA Friday night, uh, November twelfth, in the Pauley Pavilion. Oh wow! In, in LA, so I think that'll be a great early test because I think going off your point, I think UCLA can put up some points. Mm-hmm. Tiger Campbell, Johnny Juzang, those guys can go get buckets. Yeah. So I, I I will be interested to see how they match up early. Um, being on the East Coast here, it's or you know quote unquote East Coast, we're in the Eastern Time Zone. That's an eleven thirty tip. Oh and wow! I am ready for some late night hoops on Friday, so mm-hmm. I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. 
Moving uh, into our final team in the top five that we'll talk about uh, before we touch on a few others, uh, Texas rounds out the top five, the AP top five. Again, we already kind of touched on them earlier with the Big 12, but just a couple uh, quick hitters. Um, obviously, all these players coming back, they're all, eager to, they're all eager to win. Um, guards Courtney Ramey uh, and Andrew Jones are back. Andrew Jones, I feel like he's been there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, great to see him back. Um, you know, the the mold around those two between Marcus Carr, you know, Devin Askew, Trey Mitchell, Timmy Allen, uh, Christian Bishop, those guys um, filling around them, that really is going to show what that Texas team can be. Um, and, I mean, again, we'll see it early. And, and I, I don't put too much stake in the early season games um, because I think especially at a school like Texas where you've got Chris Beard coming in for his first year, you still got guys kind of figuring themselves out. For sure. Um, you can't put too much stake in those early season games. You know, like, I, don't get me wrong, I love the Champions Classic every year. It's a great way to start college basketball. Um, it's had some great moments. It's had some buzzer beaters, some really close games. All that's fun. But I don't think that really dictates the season. Mm -hmm. I don't think it tells you a ton Mm -hmm. um, early, but it does kind of show you who is going to be kind of those guys. And to piggyback off that, I think it means more in the beginning of the year than it does at the end of the year. I think especially when you're looking at tournament time, especially when you're trying to figure out like those at-large bids or stuff like that, like the same team that we're going to see, for example, with Texas when they play Gonzaga – won't be the same team when Texas is, you know, fighting for that final spot when they play Kansas or whoever it ends up being at the end of the year. Um, but I do like the showcases. I mean, that's that's what I like to call them. It's like a showcase. Right, exactly. There's ba- barely any much at stake in college basketball. In college football, when, you know, you set up those non-conference games where it's, right. for example, when we had one close to home with Notre Dame and UC, that game has huge implications. Absolutely. I mean, Notre Dame is not in the playoff race because of that game. Right. UC is in the playoff race because of that game. Absolutely. So these these like early games, it's really just a fun way to just see like who is like going to be a team. And I think the Texas Gonzaga game is going to be a great test for one to show that Gonzaga can be a respectable program. Right. And to see like, hey, you're coming into our house. No one ever comes into our house. This is our time to show you what this team is about. Uh, Mark View's first game back. Um, I think that will be a fun, interesting game. And also, what I'm looking forward to with Texas this season is to see if Chris Beard can really be that like central zone for a good leader. Because you have two seniors that have been with the program for now four and five years, respectively, and uh, Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones, who are very solid players. And then after that, it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven transfers who all at some point or another had a role at their previous school. I don't know how like a Texas fan could just be like, oh, yeah, it will, it will work out. Because that is a lot of egos, a lot of people that all came here, you know, I'm playing for Texas. This is my know my time in the big 12 and i mean i i really just don't see this team thriving early yeah i will say though if i put my trust in anybody to manage that 
it'd mm. be Chris Beard. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he's just an unbelievable coach, and I can't wait to see what he does. Yeah, and it would really be cool for Texas to – because football, I mean, not to divert too much, but Texas football has not been a thing in a long time. Right. And I think – not to say it hasn't been, because, I mean, they were a three-seed last year with NBA talent, mm-hmm. and Greg Brown and Jericho Sims and uh, Kai Jones. But this could be a turning point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the Chris Beard era is going to be something that's very, very um, relevant to Texas basketball mm-hmm. in, in its overall history. Yeah. I think Shaka Smart was a phenomenal coach, um, but I, I personally think I think he's very happy with the Marquette move. I think he is excited to get back to that smaller market where he is the main focus yeah. um, and where his program is the main focus. I think he didn't mesh well with the Texas program as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing, I agree. So seeing him get to go there. I think it's the best of both worlds because I think Chris Beard wanted to take that next step um, out of Texas Tech and really the only places I could have seen him going were North Carolina, Duke, Texas, yeah. Kansas. I mean... If a UCLA job you know, opens up. Exactly. Like it was going to be one of those big spots and obviously Bill Self not going anywhere. Um, Coach K has a, his predecessor. Exactly. Yeah, Duke and North Carolina kind of had their things lined up for him. Mm-hmm. Um I was a little bit interested to see that. I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm a little surprised that uh, North Carolina, especially, didn't give Beard a look. Um, but they had it set up how they wanted to be. Roy Williams kind of said that on his way out. Was like, "Hey, you know, I For want sure. this to be set up how it is. I want to keep it in house." Which you know, all power to him. Obviously, you know, Roy, one of the greatest to ever do it. So he obviously gets to make the calls there. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you know, I think that next step. Was there for him, and really, I mean, I think if he if Beard does well here at Texas, I don't really see him making another step past this. Yeah, you know? I think a, a fair point about you know all these transfers and guys coming in is Beard has the opportunity to be like, hey, I'm just like you, you know, I'm trying to prove myself at this next step. I mean, while it's the same conference, I mean, Texas and Texas Tech don't have the same status, yeah. so if he can rally the guys behind him, because Chris Beard's going to need some help. I mean, I'm sure at least the Texas Tech game, that's going to be brutal. I mean, to go to your rival school and be, like, the top dog there, I mean, he's going to have some really competitive games. And if he can rally a lot of those guys behind him, I mean, Texas could be a dangerous team come tournament time. I think it's just going to be hard. I mean, for me personally, it's hard for me to see them go in and beat Gonzaga, go in and, you know, whoever else they play in non-conference. Yeah, and then go in and, like, beating teams like Kansas on the road and Mm Baylor on the road. Those are games that – if you want to go in the Big 12, you got to go beat some of those teams on the road, and I don't see them doing that this year. So. Yeah, but they are definitely an interesting team to put on the back burner, Absolutely. so to say, yeah. and just to see where they head come tournament time or in the years following. I agree. I mean, yeah, I think in the years following. I mean, this Texas putting in a new arena, I mean, this could be the turning point for Texas basketball. Really, mm-hmm. it could be no joke uh, for years to come. I will say one other note on the, on the non-con games there. I do appreciate... Uh, the rise of teams going and playing true uh, road games. Yeah, for because sure. Because they're, I mean, not that they're getting away from the corporate sponsorship, you know, special deals, because those are still obviously very much a thing. Um, but seeing, you know, Gonzaga going and playing, or excuse me, seeing Texas going and playing at Gonzaga and seeing Villanova going and playing at UCLA, um, that, that isn't part of like a big East big 12 challenge or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, that is who the coach is scheduled. I love seeing that I for think sure. It's great. I think it's I think we're heading in the right forward. direction. Exactly. That. Um, I, I think that's, and it's a good early season test. So, mm-hmm. 
So moving past that, we've each picked out a couple teams uh, to kind of mention outside the top five. Um, I'll go ahead and kick us off real quick. I just want to hit on Purdue. I think Purdue um, is going to be no joke because I think pass um, pass Mark Few. I think Matt Painter is the best coach in the country without a national title. Um, and I really think he has put together um, a great, great team there. Um, that They've got just so many good players there. Um, I think they've got three of the best 30 players in the country, honestly. I mean, you got Trayvon Williams at forward, uh, Jay Nivey at point guard, and then you got Zach Eady. Zach Eady's going to be unbelievable this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really think, you know, I, I think it's I think it's Painter's time. I think it's Purdue's time. Um, I, I really – I it's going to be tough for them to really stay, you know, super high in the AP poll just be, because of who they play. Um, and I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they were a three-four seed come the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're the kind of team that really, really could get after it come tournament time. So that's my big one. They're coming out of the Big Ten. I think they're going to give um, Michigan a really good run for their money, as well as Illinois, uh, a really good run for their money for the Big East title or excuse me, Big Ten title. Uh, next team that I wanted to touch on was Memphis and. It's it's just really a confusing thing because I remember the Penny Hardaway signing kind of came out of nowhere. Right. Like, I mean, I'm sure you see, like, the rumors and stuff, but a big-name player to just, you know, just immediately join. And at the time, I mean, they came off, you know, the Derrick Rose, like, time, and I guess Will Barton was a little bit after that. Mm-hmm. But, like, Memphis wasn't really, like, a team that you talked about. And then Penny Hardaway comes in there, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe, you know, come tournament time, you see, like, a five-second clip about, oh, look, they have former NBA player Penny Hardaway, or whatever. But, I mean, he really got some big-name recruits. I mean, most notably, you have James Wiseman, who's now in the NBA, rehabbing, and is set up for a great spot to take off his career at Golden State. And then you have Precious Achiwa, who's playing very well right now uh, with Toronto and he's bounced around he was with the heat before that um, and then you look at who they they continue to bring in um, you have Amoni Bates who was originally uh, a Michigan State guy and then decommits reclassifies and now is joining Memphis I mean he is unbelievable in high school he was a phenom you know six nine kind of Kevin Durant like so Penny Hardaway can really take him under his wing and see where he can go. Then you have Jalen Duren, who's another phenomenal freshman basketball player. I mean, he's going to be a 6'10 guy who can stretch the floor. He can play anywhere you want him. I mean, he's unbelievable. So they bring in these like high-level, high-profile recruits while kind of starting to build like their identity. But they didn't do anything last year, like nothing. And then you look at, like, this year, and people are, like, hyping him up, like, oh, yeah, and AP poll has him at, like, number 12. But, like, I just don't see, like, any improvement in the program other than the fact that they sent two kids to the NBA. And they didn't send Eddie last year. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Other than, you know, just more cohesion and more, you know, time playing together. But really, other than that, they're, they're not but bringing the th- in a whole lot. The thing is, is it isn't like a you know, like um, a respectable program that's like, oh, yeah, we're going to keep guys in-house, like, a, for example, Villanova. I mean, they, they keep their guys three, four, now five years to, like, have cohesion. 
But if Penny Hardaway is going to be like, oh, yeah, I got you. You're going to the NBA. They're just going to be in this leg area of really high talented. They're going to have, like, those big non-conference games that, oh, yeah, this guy's going to go to the NBA. Look at Simone Bates or James Wiseman. I, I'm just, I just think that this team is overhyped. And I agree. I, mean, I think I think Imani Bates and, and Jalen Duran are, are phenomenal basketball players, obviously, but I just don't see this team really coming out to be as much as it is. I mean, it's the it's definitely the most hyped up team since the John Calipari era. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's it, becoming yeah. like a Kentucky like program. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Kentucky, I think, has possibility to be pretty good this year because now they have transfers, and while still bringing in. You know, they're freshman phenoms that they bring in every year. But, like, the past few years, Kentucky has not been Kentucky. Absolutely. And I think that's what Memphis is right now. And I I just don't think that Penny Hardaway has proven himself enough for this team to be 12th in the country. I would agree. Um, So moving past that, I'll actually – this is a perfect – kind of handoff here all my the other team that i want to talk about outside the top five uh is a fellow american conference member um the houston cougars obviously coming off their first uh final four appearance in 37 years last year i think kelvin sampson is a top tier coach um uh sampson brings back quite a few uh big big players you got marcus sasser um definitely gonna be preseason all aac um, and then you also bring in Texas Tech transfer Kyler Edwards, um, who I see a lot of parallels with him and uh, Quentin Grimes. Um, guys coming out of big uh, Big 12 programs that maybe weren't getting the, min- the minutes they wanted, or I mean, obviously in Kyler's situation, having Chris Beard leave, you know, he, I don't think that had him wanting to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not that he didn't like the program, but I think Chris Beard was a big reason he was there, I guess is what I'm trying to say, and I, I think... He was looking for something deep, uh, different past that. Um, but, yeah, I just still think, you know, they're going to be really good defensively um, as it is. And I think the AAC will be a little bit more competitive this year uh, between them and Houston. Um, and then, obviously, Wichita State will still probably be notable um, amongst a few others. But I, I think the big thing is, um, you know, these teams right now, you know, especially Houston, um, you know, especially Houston and, and, you know, amongst others are, are really trying to make their case and really prove their point for making that move to the Big 12. Um, so obviously Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU all making that move to the Big 12 uh, here in the next four or so years that this is their time to really start rolling off that. Mm-hmm. And I think if Houston can continue to be that, that good of a basketball program, um, you know, I think I, I definitely think they could be in the mix again for another good tournament run. I think it's it's interesting too because you see these schools coming from cities like this, um, especially Houston being one of the largest markets in the country, um, which I honestly always forget about. I don't know about you, but I always forget that Houston is as big as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, According to a Google search, the most diverse city really? in America. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> wouldn't have known that otherwise. Um, so Houston to me is it's an interesting spot because Houston is such a large city that it is hard to get the entire city behind one college team, right? For sure. Because you've got all these people coming from all these different backgrounds, most diverse city in the country. Um, all these people come from all these different backgrounds that are you know maybe not 
obviously not coming from the same university, so it's going to be tough for them to all root for one. Um, having that in-city uh, team, I mean, you see here in Cincinnati, a lot of people that maybe didn't even go there still will root for Cincinnati just because they're in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they're not you know, Xavier fans. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I do think that's interesting. I think they can kind of get that entire city behind them and that kind of thing. So yeah. definitely something worth noting. Um, did you have a couple you wanted to touch on outside the top 25, also receiving votes or anything like that? Uh, no, I have uh, one more team in the top 25. Uh, oh. I was St. Bonaventure. Oh, that's right. Uh, Bonnie's, you know, coming from the A-10. No, I mean, A-10 is not a tough conference by any means. I mean, my favorite non-Xavier team, you know, Davidson Wildcats. I mean... A10 is not looking to be anything, and St. Bonaventure had a very talented team that was not like any bench involvement. I mean, they love their five starters, and those are the guys that Coach Mike Schmidt wants on the court. And you have the opportunity to bring all five back, like all five starters. I mean, that is rare. That is really rare. No transfers, no MBA guys, no graduations, because you know you have. Um, uh, I think only one guy is using their COVID year. I mean, they're, they have a recipe in terms of talent and coaching to be a scary team. Like, I, I, if I were, you know, a power six, power five guy organizing my schedule, I wouldn't want to pick St. Bonaventure. So I was actually just going to touch on that because I was going to say, looking at the Bonnie schedule, I think that's going to be the only thing that hurts them come tournament time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do have two times to prove themselves. They have... I, UConn and what's the other one? Virginia Tech. Yes. So, I, like you said, um, definitely got two two big non-con games. But I will say I agree. I think if you're you know a top ten, top fifteen team, you don't want to play them. Mm-hmm. Um, understandably so. <clears throat> but also worth noting that I really do think this could almost come down to um, very similar to a Loyola Chicago mm-hmm. kind of deal like last year. I mean, I, you know. Let's be frank about it. Illinois got screwed last year. Yeah. Having to play Loyola Chicago in the second round. Mm-hmm. Of course they weren't going to win that game. Yeah. Illinois was a phenomenal team. You know, Kobe Coburn, Ayodisumu, phenomenal players, phenomenal athletes. I could have told you a million times over that Loyola Chicago was going to win that game. And I never would have doubted myself. Because yeah, I don't think anyone like had any doubt. It was either Illinois could win or it's Loyola Chicago. Right. Which is unbelievable for like a small mid-major team. Agreed. But I just think that that is where the committee screwed up. And I don't necessarily blame them because based on all the numbers, they put Loyola Chicago in the right place. Mm-hmm. But Loyola Chicago should have been a four seed. I mean, really. Yeah. They were that good last year. Um, for sure. Based on, you know, Kempom rankings and all that good stuff. They were that good. And I think we could be seeing that again with Bob mm-hmm. this year. And. You know, I think that these teams like St. Bonaventure um, and, you know, some of the other mid-major teams, I think this is a real opportunity to prove that coaching, depth, and experience really play a part in college basketball. And St. Bonaventure is, like, one of the class examples. You know, you bring back five starters, and... I mean, you just really you just see what happens. I mean, there aren't expectations when you're a mid-major, exactly. but there is opportunity. And I think out of all the mid-majors, I mean, outside of maybe Memphis and Houston, if you want to count them, and Gonzaga. Right. 
they mean, they have a real opportunity to yeah. really scratch some people's heads come tournament time. I would agree. I mean, I think you know, uh, <coughs> outside of that, obviously, you know, Loyola Chicago, obviously the best man, best mid major team last year. Um, they'll, I think, they will be of relevance this year. Um, obviously, losing Cameron Crutwig. Um, but other than that, you're returning everybody else. Um, big loss there, though. <coughs> Uh, the loss of head coach Porter Moser, that's going to be huge. Um, Drew Valentine, youngest coach in NCAA history, stepping in at 30 years old. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Drew Valentine does. Um, but again, obviously losing Porter Moser is going to be a big blow there for the Ramblers. And a big game for Oklahoma. Absolutely. Yeah, huge. No, yeah, being a, being a Kansas fan and seeing Chris Beard step into a bigger role with more funding and seeing Porter Moser move into, into Oklahoma. I mean, it's it's scary. You know, Bruce Weber's probably on his way out of K-State, so they'll probably reload with someone pretty solid, would be my mm-hmm. guess. And then, had, I mean, obviously it's a le- lesser extent. I mean, Big 12 is not the A-10, but being a <laughs> Davidson fan and your school doesn't offer graduate classes so the players can't use their COVID year, you look at St. Bonaventure as five senior starters. Exactly. So, um, Definitely scary hours for both the uh, both the hometown teams here. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for either, hey, side of, either side of the bench here. Coach Senator Bob McKillop can teach me anything. Trust, commitment, and care for the Davidson Wildcats this year. Absolutely. All right, we'll round out a couple more things. Just one other one we wanted to hit on uh, outside the top 25. Oklahoma State. Now, this is an interesting one this year. Oklahoma State uh, will not be eligible for the NCAA tournament this uh, year due to NCAA violations. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, um, Mike Boyden's press conference after receiving those allegations um, really pulls at the heartstrings, um, really is emotionally charged, and you can tell um, how much... He is affected by it. Uh, obviously, you know we. You know, I mean, yeah. There's just there's not too much you can say about it. Uh, it's a very unfortunate situation. Um, obviously, you know, either side is going to have their side of the story, um, but from what we hear from Oklahoma State, they cooperate the whole way. So it is unfortunate to see. Um, but obviously, only losing Kate Cunningham, Oklahoma State's still going to be a trap game. For, I think a lot of Big 12 teams, yeah. especially Kansas. I mean, I th- anyone going into Gallagher-Iba is going to have a tough time. So uh, I think it's also interesting to add that, I mean, Mike Boyden obviously was extremely upset about the news, but, like, it, it's just – it really scratches your head. You know, when you're, like, uh, where they are right now, they're kind of middle of the road in the Big 12 right now in terms of projections mm-hmm. and predictions. You know, you look at the team, it's like, all right, if we do this, this, and this, I mean, we could, you know, beat Kansas and, you know, or we can, you know, make a play in our tournament, uh, our conference tournament, and make make a splash and, like, a big dance. But, like, as a coach, you already know the outcome of your team. Right. Like, how, how do you – how do you even coach that? But at the same time – when you see how emotionally charged he was in that presser, it's like maybe he, maybe this is the guy that can rally the guys and say, hey, I mean, here's an opportunity. We were seen as the Kate Cunningham team last year. Let's show, you know, this is Oklahoma State basketball, which is, and I segue into um, our 
favorite team right. as Xavier students. Xavier has a real test yeah. in Oklahoma State on the road. I, I agree. I mean, I think looking at Xavier's non-con, they've got a lot of really tough games in there, but I think at Oklahoma State is going to be one that, I mean, I don't want to make early projections or not believe in the team, but, I mean, you know, that's a really, really tough game on the road. And I, and I do think, I mean, you, you can't forget, too, I mean, Oklahoma State's adding two five-star recruits to their roster this year that are transfers. You got Bryce Thompson coming from Kansas. Mm-hmm. He was a dog last year for KU. Um, and then also adding uh, Musa Sisse from Memphis, you know, back to the previous point as well. So definitely ones to to keep in mind. And obviously, you know, Oklahoma State is going to be a problem in Big 12 and in non-con uh, this year. But, yeah, we'll roll with that um, into – what I would like to point is the Musketeer Minute. Obviously, I don't think we'll ever be able to keep this down to a minute. Um, no, no chance. But kind of wrapping up the podcast with a little hometown touch. Um, coming from Norwood, I do think, you know, a few big things to note within the Musketeer program. Adding Jack Nunji from Iowa. Um, Jerome Hunter from IU. This is going to be a talented team. I think this is going to be Travis Steele's best team uh, that he's had in his oh, time here. Oh, um, I mean, I'll let you kind of... Yeah, I... It's if there was a year for Xavier to return to that Elite Eight run, it, it's this year. I mean, not every day could you have Paul Scruggs for another year. Not every every year can you have Nate Johnson back. And then you just surround that with um, you know a preseason first team, Zach Fremantle, uh, who is out. For the chunk of the beginning of the season, you know the timetable. Uh, Coach Steele just said in his pod, his podcast radio show was around December first. I mean, if you get him back for conference play, that's a different story. But you won't have him for Ohio State, or you won't have him for the NIT Invitational when you're playing um, Iowa State and then either Virginia Tech or Memphis. Which either way is going to be a tough game, obviously. Yeah, Memphis, the tough those are three team tough teams that I wouldn't want to play in in New York. I would say it's like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think Iowa State will be too much of a test, but to your point, still a Big 12 team, still <clears> has some talent on their roster. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely still worth it. I mean, this, this Xavier team is deep, really deep, yeah. and um, is well coached and has a great fan base around them. But, I mean, this is a great point, in my opinion, is that, I mean, other than Nunji and Hunter, I mean, it's the same team, but that is the same team that, you know, didn't do much last year. Yeah. I mean, we had COVID shutdowns and Nate Johnson's injury that, you know, really affected us, but, I mean, it's the same team. So, I mean, there has to be change. And I, I don't know if Hunter and Nunji are enough to give him a get him across that hump for what fans and um, players expect from them, but it'll be interesting to see how these non-conference games goes before we head into a brutal Big East schedule. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got, I think Big East-wise, it's obvious I think Villanova is going to be a clear cut above everybody else, Um, but after that, I think it's it's Xavier and UConn Mm -hmm. fighting out for that 2-3 spot, and then I think it's another gap yeah, and everybody else, and so I think, for me, um, just going to be interesting to see what the Musketeers do in those pivotal UConn games. Obviously, Big East you play home and away, everybody. So 
you know, definitely gonna be interesting to see what they do there. For sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, big takeaways is it, it, to add on to all this, you know, obviously bringing in new talent, having the best team you've had in four years here at Xavier for Travis Steele. It's a little bit of a hot seat year for Travis Steele. Um, I don't think he's automatically gone if they don't make the NCAA tournament. Um, but it's definitely something being discussed in the office. Um, and I definitely think he's feeling that pressure a little bit too from Xavier fans. Um, because I think they expect better than this. And, and, you know, coming off of the coaches that they've had in the past and the teams they've had in the past, you know, they I, I can understand why. So um, definitely will be interested to see uh, what this team can do. But I think, you know, second weekend in March is not, you know, that, that making that Sweet 16 Elite Eight is not um, unrealistic. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. And like we were talking about earlier with Villanova, I think if anyone's going to pick them off this year, um, this could be the year. This could be the year that you know, both say say both Xavier and UConn beat them at home. Mm-hmm. You know, then it comes down to if Xavier takes care of business everywhere else. You know, and you beat UConn, you know, on the road. Um, <coughs> you know, obviously maybe take your loss on the, on the road to Villanova. That leaves you with one loss in the conference, right? Right. And both UConn and X taking care of Nova. You know, then then you're top team of the East. So not saying that obviously all that aligning is probably nearly impossible. Probably going to lose to, you know, a St. John's or a Providence on the road somewhere in there just mm-hmm. because that's how this conference shakes out. Right. Um, but, you know, ideal world, obviously, I think it is a possibility that both both Xavier or UConn, I think, could really pick off Villanova um, this year. I think uh, Villanova is definitely vulnerable, and I think both UConn and Xavier have really talented teams. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Alrighty, well that will wrap up episode one of the preview pod uh, for the Norwood Noise, uh, obviously our preseason preview. Um, this one ran a little long, we'll usually try and keep them around 20 or 30 minutes, um, just kind of give you updates, but you should be expecting these weekly uh, from us. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for listening, I hope you all have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next week. See ya.